It's just nice to have encouraging music here at Greater Alton. I'm, uh, especially as it relates, yeah, praise God. We've got, we have um, such talent here, and I just can't begin. Uh, I sit back sometimes. I've, you know, I've sing these songs every bit as much as you all do. I probably, maybe, I don't know. I'm one of those people that sings them during the week. I can't get them on my head. And um, I don't know, just singing about the love of God, especially as we're going to be talking about the love of God, it's just really cool. Uh, to be encouraged so much about uh, an amazing God who stoops down to make us great. I mean, He does that because he, he loves us. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Because I don't know about you. I don't feel like I'm all that great. and You may feel that too, but he, God's interested in your life. He's interested in you, and you matter to Him. Uh, if this is your first time here, glad you could come and be with us and, and, and fight that quarter inch of ice that was supposed to be on the ground. You know, ice excites me. Uh, you say, why, Tim? Because it breaks windshields. I had a lady ask me one time, uh, what do you use to take ice off a windshield? I said, a ball-peen hammer. And she gets in the car, and they drive down about two blocks, and she goes, she asks the husband, was he serious? And so, you know, and I understand maybe some ice is coming. Praise God. Um, I don't want anybody hurt. Just your glass. All right, so uh, anyway, uh, Good. Again, if it's your first time here, glad you could be here. And uh, you can get a free CD of today's sermon, or you can uh, ask for maybe one uh, last week. Uh, Gary did a fantastic uh, job Sunday morning on the parable of the soils that relates to what our series is about and our year is about. It's sinking roots and raising fruit. That's our series, and that's our theme for the year based on First uh, Kings 19. Um, but but I, what I... Uh, when I ask you, though, if you're a guest here, you may think, well, what's going to happen? I'm going to talk a little bit. We've got a communication card in your bulletin. I remind our members as well. You, you take that card. You can use it. Uh, an advantage to us all is to ask people to pray for things. You know, we're here to get, to get together to be stimulated, to be think, our minds to be stimulated, our faith to be stimulated a little bit. Uh, so I hope that's what that happens to you this, this morning, that you go away different, a little different than you, and hopefully better because you're with us, and uh, that goes just not for our guests, but our members as well. But we have that card there. We don't have an altar call, so we'll have a song after I get done. gives you a chance to fill that card out, and then uh, we'll sing another song, and, and we'll take those cards up with our contribution, uh, our regular contribution. And by the way, if you're a guest here, you're under no obligation to give, okay? Uh, that's, we didn't, nobody brought you here or invited you here to get some money out of your pocket for this church. Uh, we're really, really interested in giving you something, and of course, the regular membership we give so that, you know, we, we can have a place like this. It's, uh, so that's why we do that. Then we'll close out the service. Um, a few things have happened uh, since uh, the, the New Year's Day. I mean, it's, here we are, day 13. We've had two baptisms. Um, and is Sophie here? Is Sophie here? Sophie, stand up. Sophie Day, campus student. Amen. Praise God. And then uh, Boston, are you here? Boston Davis here by chance? There's Boston. Oh, stand up, Boston. Say hi. Boston. Boston's been coming here since he was this tall, you know, so it's really cool to see that. And then uh, uh, Susan DeBeer, where are you are, Susan? You, she, Susan's decided to come back to Greater Alton. Stand up. Just at least stand up at once there. And so it's nice to see people born into the family and see people coming back. It's, 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 that's a thrill, and we're very very thankful to you know to see you here and uh, and back. Uh, that's a big deal. The father rejoices, makes all the angels go. What's going on? When people turn 
their life around when they turn from sin and follow Him. So for the baptisms and for those that come back, it's an awesome thing to see. Uh, we're in a series of, of, of uh, lessons. You might say, Tim, are you going to talk about the Packers? No. We're in a series of lessons. <laughs> Who are you rooting for, Tim? 49ers, buddy. I'm, I'm really excited about them. I mean, they shredded up my team. That's enough of that. So, uh, let's see. Um, we're in a series. We're, we're starting a series today. We really technically started last week, but we're in this series called Sinking Roots and Raising Fruit. You'll notice in your bulletin that the, that the woman or the person is changing in front of you. And that's what we're hoping, that every week you're going to see this bulletin cover change a little bit. And, that, and why? Well, it represents the changes that God wants to, to make in your life. He wants, to, wants you to grow and He wants you to experience all the fullness of Christ and what it means to be a Christian. And, and so we're going to be spending several, several uh, weeks looking at the fruit of the Spirit. But as we, as we talked about how we do we want to start this series, uh, Gary suggested we might want to talk about roots for a few weeks. And so uh, last week we talked about the parable of sower, Sunday night celebration. We, we looked at that roots come from the, or fruit comes from the roots. And that, it's, that when Jesus is focused in Luke 13 on a tree that doesn't have fruit, He's not just looking at the fruit, He's looking at the roots, the things that are hidden. Many times, you know, as Christians or as people, we, like, we notice the things we see. You know, we notice the, the, the way a person is or their character or the, or, or the way they dress or the way they look. And even in, in, a, in a church, we'll look at those outward appearances. And remember, Jesus said, don't, make, don't judge by outward appearance, but make righteous judgment. Well, how do you do that? You have to look beyond the surface. You have to look at the hidden things. You have to look at the roots. And that's why in Luke 13 you have Jesus or God looking for fruit on this tree, but it's not there. And Jesus pleads with the Master, let me dig around it and fertilize it. Dig around what? Fertilize what? The roots. The hidden things. You see, what you're, everybody's deep into something. Right? We're deep into something, or else if some of you say, well, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, sometimes people are deep into their job. They're deep into their career. Maybe, in my case, deep into eating. Okay, I can, I can you know, you're, you're, you like pleasure. Deep into that. You're deep, maybe deep into a hobby. Or you're really in deep with a person. You, you know, everything about them, it, it's important what they think, what they feel, and you're, and you're centered around pleasing them. And I want you to know this, this morning that God gave you and I roots. He gave you that ability not to use it to waste on things or pleasures or, or popularity or power, but to sink our roots into the Lord, into our Creator. You know, He compares us, God cre- uh, compares us to animals, but He also compares us to plants. And like a plant, you have roots. And where you put them, you ever had somebody say, I'm sinking roots. I'm going to sink down roots right here. What do they mean? I'm going to live here. I'm staying here. And, and, and God wants you to sink roots into Him. And we're going to be looking at two particular, two particular ideas that we notice the Bible lifts up. Today I'm talking about love. And then Gary next week is talking about lordship. And so we're going to be talking about those two things. That, that when you read the Bible, there's other things we'll see later this year that we're to sink into. But these two seem to be the ones we're called to do. It has to be rooted in the love and lordship of God. Now, I, I, like I say, the theme, you see it on your notes, is the theme on your notes for this year, we're to sink down roots and raise up fruits. He's talking, there God is talking to Israel, and He's simply saying to Israel, there'll be a day when a remnant, that'll be 
a, a small group of people will decide. They'll, God will bless them, and they will be the kind of people that sink down roots and raise up fruit. So what's that mean? Well, as a nation, Israel's getting cut apart by Assyria, then Babylonia, and then Persia. So there's just a handful of them left. But the great thing about that is, guys, is that, is that it doesn't take a lot of people to do this. It just takes a few people. If they, if they decide to root themselves into God, they can do amazing things together. It works that way with nations. It works that way with, with churches. That prophecy, though they sink down roots and raise up fruits, he's saying one day you'll be healthy again. One day you'll grow again. One day you're going to be fruitful and stable. And that principle is throughout the New Testament. It's throughout the Bible. That not only physically is Israel going to experience that, but spiritually you can experience that. You and I can experience that. And so we looked last week about how what is fruit and how fruit is really, when you read the Bible and it says God wants us to raise up fruit, He's talking about fruit, the things we see, the, the changes we make in our lives. If you have somebody say to you, you know, you're not the same person you used to be, what are they basing that on? What they can't see? No, what they see. What they see. They see you being a man, a man or a woman of character. They see you being a stand-up person. They see you serving. They see you thinking outside of yourself. Because a lot of people, let's face it, our roots are really in ourselves many times. And, and, and they see this difference. And you stand out. Of course you'll stand out and bear fruit. And people will say, there's somebody changing. And, and that's fruit. Fruit is also influence. The Bible talks about fruit being the, the fruit of the gospel spreading throughout the world. Paul says that in the book of Colossians. And so, so it's not just what people see, but our impact also spreads. And we learned last, last Sunday that the fruit has three elements. There's the skin. It looks really good. There's the pulp. It tastes real good. And there's the seed. It touches with goodness the future. And how God did not make us saved. It didn't save us and clean us up to look good and impress people. Although it will look good and it will impress people, that's not the primary reason He did that. And, and the pulp stuff, the good stuff, God didn't just save you and I. He does say, by the way, He saved us from an empty way of life. So it is a life that's, that's bitter, that isn't very sweet. But when you're saved, when you have a relationship with Christ, it's sweet like an apple. My mouth is watering, literally, from thinking about a juicy... Oh, man! You know, and it's sweet, it tastes good, and the jaws tighten up a little bit, and you go, man, this is a good apple. But in the center of the fruit, the very center of, of everything is seed, is seed. If it weren't for seeds, I wouldn't, you wouldn't experience a juicy apple if it weren't for an apple seed. You and I wouldn't experience Christianity if it weren't for somebody realizing there's seed in their fruit, and if it die, the Bible says, they would sow it and sacrifice themselves, their time, their energy, and not just spend it on themselves, but on the future. You and I have, have the privilege and the honor of sitting here looking at the Word of God 2,000 years after the seed was planted with Christ. Is that something? And that's the kind of stuff we're looking at this year. We're gonna, we're gonna, God wants us to have fruit, but He also wants us to have roots because roots also indicate growth and maturity. They indicate maturity and growth. Without fruit, you're not, you're not growing. You're not mature. So when you hear somebody say, well, Great Orleans not very mature, and it bothers you a little bit, what really ought to bother you is if, if you look on your branches and you don't see any fruit, you don't see any fruit in your life, change and influence happening, growing change and influence, you've got to step back and say, you know what, that should bother me more than somebody saying greater often immature. 
to be quite honest. Because that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, I want fruit in my life. I want to change some more. I'm 55 and God's still working on me to make me what, he, what I ought to be. And it may have took him a week to make the moon and stars and Jupiter and Mars, but it's taken him 55 years to work on me. And I don't think he's done. Because he who began a good work, it says in the Bible, is going to complete it. And so it's, it's letting God work in our lives. And, and how does that happen? When I sink roots into that, into devotion to Him, and say, you know, Lord, I'm going to sink my roots right here in Your kingdom. I'm going to sink my words, roots in Your Word. But we, 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 we can see it also in this statement of rooted in love. What's that? This is a very difficult passage for me this morning. I've never preached out of Ephesians 3. And yet it's a very difficult passage, I feel. I feel because Paul speaks like a spiritual schizophrenic. He's all over the road sometimes. I don't know how to say it. But he's like he says a lot, a whole lot of stuff in just a few verses. And I want, if you've got a Bible, would you turn to, to Ephesians 3? And let's look at this together. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, we're going to read verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given, given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all of God's people. I, I, by the way, I just want to stop there. Remember when Paul used to say, I'm the least of the apostles? Now he says he's the least of all the people. And that's what a humbling, humbling statement. He goes, at least of all the people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of, God, of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, and this is what we're going to look at here. Look at this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul is saying, I'm, going to, I'm praying a prayer for you people in Ephesus, for you Christians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family of heaven and on earth derives its name. I prayed out of the, the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than 
all we ask or imagine according to His power that is work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This prayer was not just for the church at Ephesus, but for all generations. It's unique. That if Paul was praying for Greater Alton, if he were somewhere else and wrote a letter to us, he'd say, I'm praying that you'll experience the fullness of God that surpasses your knowledge of it. The fullness of the love of God. And that, and that you'll be rooted and grounded. You'll be deep in love with God. And then you can understand. You'll begin to understand how wide it is, how deep it is, how high it is. Wow. All of, all of life, listen to me, church, all of life depends on the roots. All of life depends on the roots. And all of the spiritual life, all this life that God calls you and I to, depends on your roots. And he says, he tells the church at Ephesus, that, you know, they, the church at Ephesus was persecuted. They went through the ringer. Remember in Revelation it says, they, you've lost your first love. They were a fickle church, up and down church. Does that remind you of any place? Up and down, committed, did not. Find your way, lose your way, only to find it again and lose it again. Church Ephesus isn't much different than us, is it? And and he says, and what's he say in Revelation? He says, You've lost your first love. You go back and get it. Go back and do the things you did at first. Why? Because it's so important. And he says at first to them, be rooted and grounded in the love of God. It's our foundation for everything. It's the greatest motivator of all. When you stop and think about it. It's what it it matters the most. We're going to key on verse 17 here in your notes. And here it just says this, and this is what Paul says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home. This is the New Living Translation. More at home as you trust Him. I thought that was interesting. He's saying dwell in you. He's saying he make, that He make a home with you. That He not just visit you, but live with you. And may your roots, He says, may they go down deep into the soil of God's Marvelous love. Would you circle marvelous love? Isn't that interesting? We we sing we 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 sang some songs about love. Almighty God, you know, and and He gives us love when we don't deserve it. He gives us love when we're not even thinking about Him. He loves His love is that rich. Now He's not again. I want you to see. It says here that your roots may go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. It's not my love. It's not your love I'm to sink my roots into. God's love. It's not God, my love for God, but God's love for me. Seeing that. This is the basis of everything. Man, this, this is what... This make, this, the love of God makes everything make sense. Everything that God does in my life, good or bad, hard or easy, Knowing that He loves me the entire time helps make sense of all of it. So it's a bedrock, it's a foundation of Christian living. It's where I draw strength and stability and spiritual fullness I can't get anywhere else. You see a Christian that's focused, 
folks, I'll tell you what, their roots are deep in the love of God. They understand something about God's love that you don't. When I'm around somebody that just, they just love the Lord and they're doing things that I can't imagine. How come you're doing this? How are you able to do that? Because like Paul said, the love of Christ compels me. Where my love wouldn't do it. I don't know about your love, but my love is limited. My love can only go so far. Your love can only go so far. But God's love, man, it'll make you do things. It'll cause you to do things. It'll motivate you to do things that you couldn't begin to do on your own love. I, I, I believe the secret to lasting marriage is the love of God. Not, I've, I'm going to be doing a wedding, and I'm, I'm be doing, I, do, I do some. I'm going to be doing a wedding on May the 18th, and Matt and Brian are going to be standing here. And, um, and one of the things that I, they're going to do, like everybody else does when they get married, do you take this woman? You know, do you take this man? Do you promise to love? honor, cherish. Read the love passage. Love always loves and love does this and love does that. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. It always forgives. You know, and we, we hear this back and forth, you know, do you love this? Will you, will you love this? I do. And if, will you love this man? Are you sure you want to love this man? I always want to say that. Are you sure? And they say, I do. And, and I've, been, I've, I've done weddings where they say, I do, I do, and 30 minutes later, they're talking like they don't. Why? It's man's love. Our love is only as powerful as the promise. And when God loves, wow. God's love's different than yours. God's love's different than mine. When He says He loves, He really means it. And it's a love that I don't understand. Maybe you do. I don't completely understand it yet. It's so amazing. You see, God's love is my miracle grow. And if I really want to grow this year, I need to sink my roots. I need to, to, to explore, understand, grasp, experience, put into practice, wherever you want to say it, the love of God in my life. I need to find a way to substitute my love for God's love. And when I do, I, it opens up a whole world. It opens up so much understanding of now I understand why this is the way it is. Now I understand what you're doing. And my trust level and my reliance level and my dependence level is richer and deeper. And I will experience lasting change, lasting growth, fruit that will last. So before we talk about how to get deep, how do we deepen our roots in God's love, we've got to talk about His marvelous love first. I mean, I'm, 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 just, I'm caught up in that term, marvelous love. Well, what's so marvelous about God's love? Well, let me tell you why God's love is marvelous. Here's three, three points I want to make this morning. The first thing is God's love is marvelous because God's love says, I matter to God. You know, I, I tell you, when someone loves me, that's, uh, they send me a note, they send me a text, they give me a gift, they spend time with me. These are all love languages, right? Uh, they ser- serve me, you know, they do something like that. I feel like I matter, but you know, let me tell you, God's love is marvelous because He shows how much I matter. You matter to God. 
You matter to God. You may think, no, I don't matter to God because I've been such a bad person. I've, 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 made so, I've not only made mistakes, I've did stuff to Him on purpose that I know is wrong. God's got, he, he writes me off. He doesn't write you off. You matter to God. And that's what makes it so amazing. Augustine, an old church member way back in the day, said it this way, God loves each of us as if we're the only, there's only one of us. If You say, well, if, you know, I, I wouldn't spend any time with you. You ever said this? If you were the last man on earth or the last woman on earth, God would. Because He does. You matter to God. You matter so much to Him. Before you were born, according to Ephesians 1, He chose you. Before you were even born, He made the first move to express His love. Look at this passage in Romans 5. I'm always amazed at this passage. I love this passage. It says God demonstrates His own love. He shows it. He really shows how much He loves. Loves you and I. What? What in? In this, Tim. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's saying, very rarely will someone die for a righteous man, he says in the verse before. There's some people you think, well, you know, that's worth dying for them. Some of you here would jump in front of a bullet for your kids, wouldn't you? Jump in front of a bullet for your spouse, right? But what about your in-laws? What about the ex-wife? What about the ex-husband? What about your cousins? Everybody's got somebody in their family that just rubs them the wrong way, huh? You know, for a good man, well, they're good. We talk about it. Would you die in front of a bullet? No. And that's the end of the discussion. But he says that in Romans 5, 6, and 7. It says, very rarely you hear about somebody dying for a righteous man. And there's, we've seen you know, videos of people that jumped in front, of the, you know, in front of the president to take a bullet from some crazy guy, you know. Some lunatic, and we go. We get that, we get that, and and and, and we know we hear about uh, about families who who will go into water that can't swim or you know, they can't swim or they'll do something to save the life, and they do. They even die saving the life of their kids, and we get that. But what about a good person you don't even know? Eh, would you do that? I don't know. And then Paul takes it even further. What about a person that you don't like? What about a person that fails you, that hurts you, that breaks laws, that lies, that steals, that's unfaithful? Would you, what would you do with that person? Not a chance. Not a chance. Not God. God looks at you, looks at me. Messed up as we are, we're still sinners. We're not perfect Oh, we're far from being perfect. How's that song? And I fall oceans short of your... What's that mean? Oceans short? I've been on the coast, and it's, it's not, you know, I fall three feet short of your glory, but I made it. Six feet short of your glory. It was a little tough, but I made it. Almighty God. Huh? 150 feet. Get a jetpack. You know, ocean short, like Pacific Atlantic ocean short? Yeah. 
You ever run out on the beach? You're going to go run and run in the waves and see how far you can get out there. And how, I don't know what it is with me. Every time I try to run, we're going to Florida here this week, you know, the campuses. And I just see a bunch of them running out there to the ocean as the wind, waves coming in. They're going to go. And they make a jump, and then the wave leaves or <clears throat> in the sand. Maybe you fall, saying, I fall so short. There's so much more ocean. I fall desperately short of God. God says, you matter. But I'm a real foul up to Him. I'm a foul up too. I'm not kidding you. Oh, you just say that because you want us to feel good. No, I got people that would agree with that. And God says, you still matter when you don't think... When somebody says, you don't matter to me, I don't care anymore about you, God still cares and matters. He cares about what happens to you. He cares about what you think, what you feel, where you're going, where you've been. He thinks about all that and loves you. You say, can I do anything? What, like the song we just sang. He goes, I can, there's nothing I can do to make you love me more. That's true. There's nothing I can do to make you love me, Period. Someone, someone said it this way. They said it this way. God doesn't need me, but He wants me. And I find that amazing. While we were still powerless, it says, uh, that, that Christ died for the ungodly. We're of no use to Him is what the message says. We, it isn't that God loves us because He needs us. Hey, I need you to be at church because you know, we need to look good. I need you to fill up a seat so Christianity looks good. He don't need you. He don't need me. He wants me. He wants you. And that makes His love, I think, amazing. You matter to God. Number two, because God always, always loves me. What makes it so marvelous? He always loves me. Like I said before, you know, we, we make these promises of love, but don't we have limits on our love? You can love me until you hurt me. Or I can love you, I'll love you till you hurt me. I'll love you till you disappoint me. I'll love you till you fail me. God always loves. Always loves you. You read the Scriptures. It, it doesn't change. Look, it says here, love never stops. It never stops. It never ends. A lot of things wear out. A lot of things end, but not God's love. Oh, I bet I stretch it to the breaking point. You can't. He keeps loving you. But Tim, wait a second. If He keeps loving me, then that's going to make me very, uh, uh, I don't know, cavalier and very uh, flippant about my sin. Really? When you have somebody that loves you that much, that's how you would treat them? But Tim, I, I can't live up to that. That's too much pressure. There's no pressure in it. He loves you no matter what, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, no matter what you've done, no matter what you do. I can count on one thing, guys, that God is always going to love me. Now, I may not like it when He loves me sometimes because when I get out of line, He to discipline you and I. He'll discipline me. He'll correct me. But He doesn't do it because I can't stand you. I'm going to kick you back. No, He's doing He's correcting me because He loves me and wants me to be blessed. we got to remember that. And that's what I think makes His love so amazing, so, you know, just so marvelous. I, I think about this. Let me ask you this. What do you tend to focus on? Ask yourself this. Is this something you kind of you find yourself focusing on, that you're amazed, you sit back and go, man, there's going to be a lot of people in hell. God's going to judge people. And you're kind of like, wow. And that's what really amazes you. Or are you amazed that there's going to be anybody in heaven at all? 
It's a big difference, Steve. Because frankly, some of us here, we focus on the wrath and judgment of God. And we don't believe, we don't believe that, you know, we're too big. You know, I, I had somebody say to me Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday night, man, Tim, you know, I love the way you went and got them. And I go, what do you mean them? You know, that some of us here, we listen to sermons hoping somebody else hears it. And it, guys, that just sounds so judgmental. You say, well, don't we judge? Well, yeah, there's going to be some judgment. Of course, we've got to do some judgment. Fair judgment, godly judgment, of course. But what, what do you find, what do you find just, that, that's, that strikes awe in you? The, the wrath and judgment of God? You go, oh my gosh. Or this marvelous love that would let anybody, that would, would say, I want you to come, I want you to be in heaven with me. Is that, is that awestruck? Is that amazing? Because it is. And it never ends. Nothing can make it end. This is, 1 Corinthians 13 is not talking about your love, my love. It's talking about God's love. It never ends. It's always there. It says here in Jeremiah 31 in the message, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Sounds like a psalm, doesn't it? Expect love, love, and more love. And you're going, really? I do. I think, I'm going, what'd you say? He said, man, I'm telling you, this is Jeremiah. This is the de- most depressing book in the Bible. It's a funeral dirge that he wrote in Lamentations. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And what's God say to him? I, I've always loved you. I'll always love you. It'll never stop. Expect it. Don't expect me to hate you, reject you. Expect me to love you. A lot of times, guys, in our Christian walk, we'll find ourselves going, oh, man, things are going, God's been putting it on me. He must not love me. He must not like me. You kidding? He's stepping into your life with His discipline because He cares. It's when God quits working on you, is what you are. then you can say, He doesn't care. But God never quits. He keeps working. I find that amazing. Number three, God promises to always take care of me. He's going to take care of me. That's what makes His love marvelous. He takes care of those who trust Him. Matthew 10, look how important you are. Look how, you, how much He cares. That Jesus said, two sparrows cost only a penny. He's saying they're about the worthless, they're about a bunch of a penny. But not even one of them can die without your Father knowing it. God even knows how many hairs on your head. I don't know about you, but when I love somebody, I know more detail about them than I do those I don't love. And what I notice here is that, that he says, I know, he goes, look, a sparrow can hit the ground, and I know about it. And I, by the way, he says, you're more important than many sparrows. I feed the birds, and they don't do a thing. I take care of their needs. He says, you're much more important than a whole bunch of birds. And God promises to take care of you. And I look at it says here in, in Psalms 555, give your burdens to the Lord and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. You know, I want to say, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple, you're discouraged this morning, give your burdens to the Lord. He promises to take care of you. Trust Him. 
He loves you all the time. But I, I wasn't a very good Christian this week. Well, let's, we've said this a hundred times, but guys, it doesn't depend on your goodness. It depends on His goodness. And God is very good. He loves you very much. You matter to Him, and He wants to take care of you. So how do I sink? As we're looking at this passage in Ephesians, how do I sink my roots deep into God's love? And I, again, Paul is all over the road in this passage. He says a lot in just a few verses. I'm going to just share three, just three thoughts with you from this passage that I think helps me deepen my, my, my roots in God's love and I believe will help you as well. The first one is if I want, that, that I can deepen my roots and, and uh, deepen them when I develop a devotional life. I must develop a, a, my own devotional life. And listen, I think we need to come together at church and, 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 and listen to sermons. I don't have to be the guy talking. You know, but, but we need to have, we try to have the best teaching we possibly can have uh, here at Greater Alton. And even in our small group or, or our discipleship groups, guide time, you know, all these, all these things we're doing, we're having these, these moments where we're going through, we're going through a booklet, you'll notice in your bulletin, we're going through a booklet on the fruit of the Spirit in the next, in the next couple of months here. And we're going to have a sermon series that goes right along, along with it. And, you know, it'll be, and sometimes it's just so cool to get together with one or two people and look at the Scriptures and you find incredible things. I, I get a group, of the, uh, a group of guys, there's only four of us, and it's incredible sometimes what we'll look at Scripture and they'll listen to one of them say, you know, when I read that, I notice this part of the passage and it's, it's, it deepens my faith, it strengthens my faith. Those are very good, but I can't tell you how many times uh, that I have benefited from just me and the Lord getting together. That there's something about getting in the Word of God, opening the Bible with nobody else around. No, no, no other cares to think about. And I find the best... Some of you get my daily text, okay? And you'll probably notice, man, sometimes Tim gets his daily text a little late. Nine, ten o'clock. You ever wondered about that, why that happens? What happens is I get up, and I, I, I have got to, I'm going to get in there, and something takes away my attention. Like I've got A.D. D. Okay, I've got my Bible. Oh, look, it's today's show. Hi, Matt Lauer. And I, I'll do it after this big headline story. But I'll tell you what, whether, whether I do it at 6 in the morning or 9 o'clock, one time last year, I think people wondered, is he going to get it in? And it was, I sent it out five seconds before midnight. That's cutting it close. What'd you get out of that? Oh, you'd be amazed. Late, that late at night, no one around? Just the two of you, you and God. God, teach me. What are you saying to me? Look what Paul says here. He says, I pray. Back it up. I pray from His glory. Look at this. That from His glorious resources. See, God has some resources you can't find anywhere else. There's some things that He has, supplies, whatever you want to call them, tools, ideas, solutions that you can't find anywhere on this earth only by looking upward. He says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resplendence, it's not just a few things. Hey, you know, you got me stumped, Tim. I've only got one or two ideas for you today. No, He opens it up and there's a warehouse, if you will, a warehouse full of ideas 
and solutions to whatever I'm facing. He says, unlimited resources. He will give you, look at this, mighty inner strength through His Holy Spirit. What's he saying? Paul is praying. I pray that inside where no one sees, where no one else can see, the roots, where no one else can see, that you discover, that you find these unlimited resources. You don't find these unlimited resources without looking inside, without having some inspection. You might get some of it from the pulpit. I'm not denying that. But there's something about getting together with the Lord, looking at His Word, praying over it, and asking God, help me see. Help me see what I need. Help me understand Your love. I, guys, there are so many scriptures. I, I, I'm on, I'll just type in, uh, go to studylight.org or, or Bible Gateway. Type in love and read every verse on love. I did. 552 verses on love. Just read them all. You see, you didn't do that. Yeah, I did. And I'm amazed when you get to the Psalms. The Psalms. Tim, you've got too much time in your hand. I benefited from it. Try it sometime. I couldn't believe how many times David talks about the love of God and how it just strengthens him and helps him and encourages him and deepens him. It's just, it's just amazing. And I'm, and I'm saying, and it, where did that come from? Where does that come from? It comes from a devotional life. You see, the very first thing that appears on plants are the roots. The unseen. Before anything comes out of the ground, the roots are already going. And guys, I want you to know the first thing you need to focus on is your root system. And you do that by looking at it every day, deeping it every day, by opening up the Word of God. There's nothing, nothing can replace the Word of God. All of life depends on roots and finding nourishment. And all spiritual life depends on that same principle, finding the spiritual nourishment that you can't find on this earth, but only heavenward. Look at this passage here in Psalms 1. Here's an example. It's one of my favorite. It's this passage I read, I was shown to as a young disciple that convinced me I needed to study my Bible, to really get my Bible. Yes, it challenged me about my friendships I have. Look what it says. Blessed is the man, happy is the man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of God. And on his law he meditates day and night. And what's he like? He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. What's he saying here? He's saying there's something about spending time in the Word of God that makes you like a tree with deep roots by a river and you grow. By the way, who leaves it out wither, you're healthy, and, and you're fruitful. You're fruitful. Look at this next passage. Look what David says here. I don't know if it's on your notes or not, but it says here, Tell me in the morning about your love because I trust you. Show me what I should do because my prayers go up to you. This, this incredible experience David has as a man for God's own heart who grows like a tree says, Every, Tell me in the morning, Lord, about your love. Let me understand your love. I'm going through the fourth time through the Daily Bible. And if you, if you, what's the Daily Bible, Tim? The bookstore has it. It breaks down the reading of the Bible 
every day. And I send out a daily text, and you can, you can also read that daily text on our website, okay, at greateraltonchurch.com. You can find it. And this is my fourth year through it. You know what I'm learning now? How much God loves the people He's working in. That's what I'm noticing now, Gary. I, I didn't see it. I'm seeing it over and over and over again. You know, we, we look about Hagar, who's uh, Abraham's... Uh, Sarah gives a servant girl to Abraham to, to have a kid because she thinks that's, that's how it's going to work. God's promises a bunch of children. Well, I can't have kids. Hagar, yes, get over there. Sleep with my husband. What? That's how it's going to work. And that wasn't the way God said to do it. That wasn't the way it was going to work. It was going to come to Sarah said, it's not me. It's not me. And what's God do? <clears throat> Strike her dead? No. She has a kid. Mercy. Mercy in her unbelief. Over and over again, you see this. Abraham lies about his, about his wife being a sister. You, you have his kids lying about their wives being a cousin. And what's God do with them? Oh, these people. I can't do anything with them. No, I can do all kinds of things with them because I love them. And they experience His forgiveness, His grace, His love. And so David, when it's David's turn, a man after God's own heart, he says, Oh, Lord, tell me in the morning. I want to start my day understanding your love a little bit more. And that's what I'm understanding more and more. If God can use a man like Abraham or Moses or Noah or, or David who screwed up big time, surely He can use me. Surely He can use you. What a marvelous God. It's it when we see that. When, and how do I see that? Well, I... I could, I could, I could probably, you know, work on it by going to church and and and, and getting in some uh, discipling here and there. But all I know is that David really got it, really experienced it when he was in his Bible. Have I beat that point? Pretty good. I used to be a guy that hit and missed for 50, 20, 30 years. Hit and miss, hit and miss, until finally I said, "Enough! I'm going to do this every day if it kills me," and it did. It killed the sinfulness and the selfishness and the, the vain and the pride. It just And it's still killing Tim every morning, chipping away a little bit more. I don't know. I'd be afraid to stop now. It's been too good. Way too good. Wish I'd have done it sooner. Number two. Number two. I deepen my roots. roots. I can do, I'll do that. And it's when I trust God's love. Now this is, I'm looking at the passage, and the passage is forcing me to deal with this. And some of the stuff I'm going, really? Trust God's love? You'd be surprised how many people don't trust God's love. We don't trust what God says. We don't trust what God directs. We don't trust His, we, we don't believe He forgives. We, we really have a hard time going, really? You forgive me? I bet you there's a little doubt inside you, Lord. Does He really forgive Ephesians 3.17 says it this way, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust Him. I think it says dwell. Be at home as you trust Him. See, there's, for, for Christ to really be in my life where He's at... By the way, for, for the people in my home I'm the most comfortable with. And God doesn't want to visit you Occasionally, He wants to live, not just with you, but in you. 
I, I heard a guy say it this way. You can have a closer relationship with Christ than Zacchaeus, than John. I said, how's that? And he said, well, when Jesus was walking around with the twelve, you can have a closer relationship with God than the twelve. How's that? Well, there he was, and here's the twelve. So there he is, here's the twelve. But when he went to heaven, he, didn't, he wasn't among the group. He lived in each of them after that. And see, God wants it to be inside you. That's closer than being in the same room. Being everywhere you are. And so it's trusting this love. It's, it's, it's trusting. Because, see, guys, inside is where I need the most help. Inside is where I need the most guidance. Because it's from the inside that all this stuff on the outside comes. It's inside I have worry. It's inside I have pride. It's inside I have fear. And having Jesus outside isn't going to do it. Isn't going to deal with what's inside. You see that? You've got to get him inside. And Paul says, I pray to the Christian. Listen, guys, Jesus, if you're a Christian, he's inside. Are you letting him live inside? You letting him relax a little? Hey, you don't have refrigerator rights, Jesus. Sit there. Take your shoes off before you come in here. Are you letting him live? Hey, make yourself at home. Whatever you think. And that happens every time I begin to trust him a little more. I trust him a little bit more. In John 14, here's what Jesus said. He replied, he said, look, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. And look what happens. By the way, when you obey his teaching, that's trust. Every time, guys, I know some of us here, we've, somebody's opened the Bible up and says, look, this is what the Bible says. And you know what that means. I need to do that. What if I don't do that? Can we set that aside a minute? What if you do it? Look what happens. We. Who's we? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's going to get crowded in there. We come to Him. We'll come to Him and what? Make our home with Him. Well, you hear people say, man, when Christ is in the center of your home, what's it do to your home? When Christ is the center of your heart, what's it do to your life? And that comes when I'll trust what He says. Now, I know all of us here, in the last week or so, we've been confronted with something the Bible says. And it may be different for you than it is for me. probably is. But what we have in common is this. Will we obey it? Will we trust the Lord and go, you know, Lord, I trust your love. You want me to do what? That's hard. That's difficult. That can't be love. Love can't be connected with hard and difficult. What's the cross? The cross, hard and difficult, collided at the cross with the love of God. And who won? What won? The love of God won out. And what Jesus couldn't do, the Father did to him in that tomb. And what you can't do, what I can't do, God can do. That's why he says, now to him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I know some of you here, you're going, my eye. 
I haven't imagined my marriage being in great shape in years. I've kind of given up. I can't imagine my home life, my kids doing well, or, or my parents listening to Christ, or, or, or my, you know, my, my brother or sister, you know, I'm trying to, trying to help them to see the Lord. I, I can't, I'm, I'm having trouble imagining they're going to listen anymore, Tim. I'm having trouble imagining that, that the stronghold is, is finally going to get off of me. I'm having a hard time imagining that I can be really free. You can imagine a way, church. Imagine a way. Because I'm telling you, He can do more than you can imagine. He can do more than you can even conjure up. When you trust Him, it's always the trust. You hear me? It's always going to be about trust. You've got to trust His love. He's not telling you to do something you can't do. He's telling you to do something He'll help you do. I find that amazing. Whenever I'm confronted with something I don't know what to do with, all i got to do is remember, my Lord loves me. And I just need to trust His love. You see, He's not in the hearts of everybody. But He's in the heart of a believer. Stop living like an unbeliever. I mean, I've tried, this week it's been such a hard, it's been so hard to figure this out. Because I want to know it. I want to understand this love that God has for me. Because I know if I do, a little more understanding, I'll make a little more progress. I'll, I'll be a little bit more like Christ. And, it, and, it, and permit me to be silly. I'm sitting around thinking, okay, okay, well, how's this work, Lord? Uh, you know, you're in me, okay. I think I know. It's, is it like this, Lord? Is it like this? Uh, you're in me, kind of like when I hear my dad talking to me or my mom talking to me or I'm reliving a moment in my life. Is that what it is? Because, cause, because when I hear, I'm thinking of doing something and dad says, you do that and I'll whoop you, I'll get the belt out. Oh, I won't do it. You know, or, or I hear my mom's talking to me about something. You know, and she's not even here. She's in Arizona. But she's, her voice, I hear her voice. I can still smell her perfume. You know what I'm saying? Is, is that what it is? Is that what it means? Because those are those people living in me? No, they're not. They're just a memory. You understand? Only, only when I'm aware of it do they have any impact on my life. But when Jesus Christ is in your life, listen, church, whether you're aware of it or not, He's working on you. Whether you are, how's what's that look like, Tim? It's kind of like. A mother taking care of a child who's sick, but too sick to know that mom's in the room. So when you're going through something tough, when you're going through that for the ringer, I want you to know that your Lord is with you. Trust His love to carry you through, to give you strength. He's like a boss who's around the corner watching the worker, and the worker doesn't know he is, making sure he's working. I don't have to be aware. It helps. It sure helps, though, doesn't it? I just want to encourage you. Trust, trust the Lord. Trust His love. And the third thing is, I put God's love into practice. This is the one, I don't know how to... Here we go. Let's just do it. I put God's love into practice. Now you say, what are you saying, Tim? Well, look what it says here. Look what it says here. In Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand. 
as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep His love really is. He goes on to say, may you experience. I think that NIV, uh, it says something about that surpasses knowledge. God doesn't want you just to know He loves you. He wants you to surpass that and experience it. I know a lot about the Green Bay Packers. And I know what happened last night. But what do you think would have happened if I would have been in the game? I know one thing that would have happened. I would have experienced it. A loss, but I would have experienced it. And he said, I don't want to just know. I want to, and with God, it's not like, okay, I'm a fan and I'm never going to be in the game. Oh, no. As a believer, you're, you can experience, not just know about this love. It says, experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Why, God, you just told me to understand it. Now you're saying I won't be able to understand it. I know. Well, then why bother? Because you can. You can understand more. You may not fully comprehend it because it's so big. And look what he says here. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. I've experienced life and fruit. The fullness of everything God wanted me to be, I begin to experience those things. But how does this happen? When does this happen, Tim? Well, I I think it's a devotional life. It's important to have, and I do trust that love. But I'm noticing that for me to really understand some things sometimes, I have to, and to experience it, I have to try it. You follow me? I have to try it if I really want to experience it and understand it. God's love works that way. This word uh, understand means to grasp like a wrestler who grabs a hold of and he won't let go. He's saying grab a hold of it that tight. This, this word behind understanding not only means to grab a hold of something, it means, to, it means to take everything you can, get as much of it as you can, like a soldier going into a city that's just been defeated, and you, you open up and there's the treasure, and you take as much as you can. I wonder how many of us, that's enough love for me. And God says, what are you doing? Take all you You're going to need every bit of it. Take it all. <sighs> Clink, 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 clink. I'm dropping some of it. It's okay. You guys get as much. I won't go back. Can I get some more? Get all you want. Clink, clink, clink. You know, all you can have, all the love you can give, you can have from God. He says, I want you to experience it. It's that overwhelming. It's that good. Listen to what a son of thunder said about this love. I want you to listen close to a guy who wasn't known for his love says here. Dear friends, we should love each other. Yeah, I know, John. Wait. Because love comes from God. Huh? Yeah, love comes from God. Real love. We're talking about real love here. Everyone who loves has become God's child and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love for us. He sent His one only Son into the world so that we could have life through Him. Then He says this. This is what real love is. This blew my mind. It's not our love for God. Hold on a minute. Real love is love. No, Tim. No, 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 no. Real love is not your love for God. You want to know what real, you want to experience real love? Yeah. Real love is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. He said what? 
Real love is when you love other people. Why is God's love marvelous? Why is it real over mine? That's easy. Because He loved first. He loved when I didn't. He was... Guys, listen to me. We tend to love second when it comes to people. You understand what I'm saying? If you love me, I'll love you. If you'll love me, then I'll love you. God says, no, that isn't going to work. You want to experience God's love? Then you love like God does. He says, then you'll be able to understand how wide and deep. Well, how wide is God's love? Does it, it's so wide, does it include everybody? Does your love include everybody? Mine don't. I'll be honest with you. My love isn't as wide as God's. How about yours? Well, I don't, you know, there's some people, I, they've hurt me, Tim. God loves, listen to this, guys. God loves His enemies and yours combined. It's that wide. And you say, you want to understand how much, how great God's love is for you? Love like God and see it happen. How many times has this happened to you? You're working with somebody, you're dealing with somebody, and they're really difficult to deal with, and you go talk to somebody else and say, I just have a hard time dealing with them because they're just stubborn and pig-headed and full of pride, and they're going, uh-huh. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing that uh-huh for me? Are you saying I'm stubborn and pig-headed? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or you discovered on your own, I wonder if I'm like this. And you call somebody, hey, did I do this to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just see him going, yeah. And what do you discover? Wow, God loves me. Wow, He cares about me. And see, it's, guys, it's that love. It's that love God wants us to sink, in, sink our roots into and practice. See, loving others isn't easy. It goes against our nature. But when I decide to love others, and love is a decision, not a feeling, a decision, God did not love me because He liked me. He didn't love you because He likes you. It's a decision He made on the cross sacrificial love. When I love like that, I be, then I begin to go, wow, this is how God feels about me. He, it's hard for Him. He's holy, yes. It's hard for Him to accept me. It's hard for Him to love me. But He chooses to. And then the results of it, just you go, wow. He really cares about me. Because it takes... He's not selfish at all. He's selfless. You've probably been wondering why I'm wearing my coat. Why are you wearing your coat, Tim? It's an old leather coat. It's heavy as so I'll get out. And, well, put your notes down and everything. Let's just think about this. We'll close. We don't have to look at that last verse. That last verse I have on the, uh, the screen we don't have to look at. So there's an, Aesop, there's an Aesop fable that goes something like this. The north wind and the sun were arguing about who's more powerful. The north wind... So I'm more powerful. The son goes, I don't know. You really think so? Yes, I am. Very powerful. See that guy there down there? Yeah. See, his, he's wearing a coat? Yeah. I bet I can take that coat off of him. <laughs> the son goes, no, that's okay. That's, no, no, no. I'm going to show you right now how powerful I am. Go hide behind the clouds. So the son goes hide behind the clouds. And the, the sun, you know, the, the wind's going... <laughs> 
he starts blowing like crazy. And this guy's like, shh. And you know what he starts doing? Grabs his coat. And he starts doing this. Wouldn't you do that? Wins. <gasps> Sun's behind the clouds laughing. Go laugh. I'm going to get that coat off of you. And finally, the, the north wind's like, okay. That guy's got a grip. You know, he will not let go. Your turn, son. Son goes, okay, watch this. And he comes out and he just shines. And it's nice and warm. And what's the guy do? He takes off his coat. And the sun goes, so it looks at the north wind and goes, see? You see, guys, there's two ways we handle things in Christianity. We focus on, man, if I can, if I can emphasize the judgment and the wrath of God, and I can just pound that in people, maybe it'll blow away that habit, blow away that attitude. But what, what happens? You ever notice that, leaders? They hold on to it more. How come they're being so stubborn? Maybe they're not the only person stubborn. Because if we could just find a way to love. Now, I'm not saying we don't confront. We have to confront. By the way, love confronts. But when we put love, God's love, and just let it warm things, you'll find people going, I'm going to change. Why? I I marvel at this sometimes. I go, why do you decide to change? Was it something I said? No. I was just thinking about how much I'm loved. And it motivates me. It's the greatest motivator of all. What motivates you this morning? Is the judgment of God making you conform? It's in the Bible. I can't find any place in the Bible that says, be rooted in God's wrath. I can't find it. I look. What, what helps me bear fruit is not, if I don't do this, God's going to come down on me hard. No, it's when I understand God's love and I deepen my roots to, to, to try to grasp this thing and experience the warmth of His love, that's when the fruit comes. How deep are your roots? Where are your roots? Are they into your career? Are they into your studies? Where are, the, where are you seeking nourishment? Because roots are going to find nourishment. But where do the roots of your soul find it? You won't find it anywhere here on the earth. It's only found in God's love. May God help you be rooted. Seek your deep root. Trust His love. Read about His love. Trust His love. Begin to participate in that love. Begin to practice it. And watch the fruit come. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for um, this passage. Father, what a... You know, I never... I don't know how I'd, how I'd do if I was talking to the Apostle Paul. He can be really heady. He can really have a lot to say. God, what a passage. What a